This is your host, Grant Vermeer, Naval Academy Class of 2017, and I'm your Academy Insider. It's my goal to be your guide through the Naval Academy experience by sharing my stories and providing you inside information into the life of a midshipman. Academy Insider is in no way officially affiliated with the United States Naval Academy. All of the content on Academy Insider is my own and does not reflect the views of the United States Naval Academy, the United States Navy, nor the Department of Defense. Calm seas don't make a skilled sailor. This is a phrase you're going to hear in this episode coming from Katie Cook, who is a class of 2008 graduate from the United States Naval Academy, and she joins me here today on Academy Insider to talk about her experience from the Naval Academy when she went on to service select Marine Corps aviation and flew combat tours in Afghanistan as a Marine Corps KC-130 pilot. After that time, she then went on to be selected as the first female pilot to represent the Navy and Marine Corps as a Blue Angels pilot. She went on to fly Fat Albert. So she comes on the episode today, and the moment she showed up for the interview wearing her working blues shirt from the United States Naval Academy, I knew this interview was going to be an absolute blast. It is a hysterical 45 minutes of us talking together, so I hope you guys really enjoy it. But most importantly, I really hope you hear her message because Katie truly serves as an inspiration to so many women out there who are in mainly male-dominated career fields and how she handled that experience and continues to act as a trailblazer and role model for women all around the world. So make sure to check this interview out. I think you guys will really enjoy it. Have fun. All right, hey everyone, and welcome to Academy Insider. And Katie, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today uh, to share some of your stories and insight with us. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks for having me, Grant. Absolutely. Uh, Before we do get started today, if you don't mind just taking a minute to introduce yourself to the audience, explain where you came from, how you ended up at the Academy, and then a little bit of background about yourself as a midshipman company major and some of the activities that you were a part of. Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Katie Cook. I am best known for being the first female Blue Angel pilot to fly uh, with the team. And uh, as far as my history with the Academy, it's actually pretty robust. Uh, My father was class of 81. His brother was class of 76. My brother is class of 10. His wife is class of 11. And then uh, I'm, I'm class of 08. So uh, a pretty extensive history there. While I was at the Academy, I was in 13th company. I was a political science major um, with a science, with a, excuse me, Spanish minor. Um, mm-hmm. And then I ended up doing VJEP as well. So I went to Georgetown while I was still at the Academy and, and that weird program. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And then and, and I- w- it- what did you study for VJEP? Uh, international security at Georgetown. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. So really great opportunity. And then um, I swam a couple of years uh, while I was there. And then towards the you know back half of my time there, academics just got too much to be able to do something. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's that's basically, I, I ended up going there really because my dad exposed it to me and, and I knew mm-hmm. I wanted to do this kind of life of service, whether that was, you know, be a police officer or firefighter or something like that. I knew I wanted to give back. And then um, ultimately, uh, you know, at one point I considered even going to the nunnery, but <laughs> I wanted to have kids and they tend to like frown upon that. Um, if you're yeah, a nun. Turns out, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I ultimately landed on the military as being kind of the path for me. And because of my dad's amazing example, I kind of followed in his footsteps to the academy. Yeah. And did you have any idea that you wanted to specifically go Marine Corps or aviation for that matter? Or kind of what influences at the academy led you in that direction? Yeah. So going into it, I was going to be a Navy jet pilot, just like my dad. Um, 
And while I was there, I, I still kind of really fell in love with aviation. And, th- and that was still the path that I wanted to go. Um, but during my summer training, actually, I was exposed to like very, very high quality enlisted Marines. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my company officer was a Marine. And, and so I think, you know, the, the idea of honor, courage, commitment, the JJ did tie buckle, all these things that the Marines like truly instill really spoke to me while I was there. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was right before my senior year or my first year for those, I usually have to convert, yeah. <laughs> you know, but for my first year, because everyone listening kind of knows what, what that is. But, um, right before my first year is when I kind of changed my mind that, you know, the, the Marine Corps kind of was more in line with the values that I wanted to live my life by. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's ultimately what led me to choose Marine Corps air. Absolutely. And once you got down to flight school, how'd you uh, decide on what aircraft you wanted to fly? Cause it sounds like originally you wanted to be a jet pilot, but you didn't end up doing that kind of what led you into the actual aircraft that you were flying. Yep. So obviously life happens and sometimes you don't have a choice and the Marine Corps gets their choice too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while I was in flight school, primary specifically, um, I was actually almost in, in an accident, a pretty severe accident. I was, um, flying formation with another, um, another pilot. We had our instructors with us. Obviously, um, there was some disorienting weather and, uh, you know, my, uh, we ended up in the clouds. I was not instrument qualified. So my instructor was flying. Um, and you know, I was looking outside because I was a brand new boot pilot that didn't know what was going on, you know? And then all of a sudden all I saw were trees. And so like instinctively I pulled the stick back to my stomach. I ended up graying out my instructor. We pulled like 7.6 G's. We oversped the aircraft, over G'd it. And my wingman still hung on the whole time. Um, and when they pulled the black box, we were 50 feet off the ground. So, um, it was, is, you know, pretty, you know, terrifying to, to yeah. be honest. Um, and at that point, you know, I kind of made the decision in my mind, like, yes, I always want to be the tip of the spear. Yes. I wanted to like drop bombs on the enemy. And, you know, that's why I joined the Marine Corps to, you know, support those Marines on the ground. But, you know, that literally scared the poop out of me. And so, (laughs) you know, I thought I could take, I could like, maybe not be the very tip of the spear, you know, (laughs) maybe Mm -hmm. be a little bit further back. And, and so I, I decided on C-130s was kind of the path for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and things kind of ended up and we might talk about this a little bit more, but things ended up yeah. falling in, into place because later on in my career, I was actually on the C-130 Harvest Hawk, which is what shoots the Hellfire and Griffin missiles. So I ended up being able to achieve that mission of, you know, close air support and all that stuff still on the C-130 platform, which was great. So all my dreams came true. If you- <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, yeah, that's fantastic. And so when you were a part of that, where is that? Uh, so forgive me for not fully understanding uh, okay. intricacies of that aircraft. Where were you stationed? And did you get that opportunity to fly that aircraft, uh, like in actual operations and combat zones? Yep, exactly. I did. So um, there's there's three C-130 active duty squadrons in the Marine Corps um, out in Japan. Then we have one in Miramar, California, and then in Cherry Point, North Carolina. I was stationed with BMG R-252 out of Cherry Point, North Carolina. That was my first active duty squadron after flight school. And uh, so the Harvest Hawk is what we call a roll-on, roll-off capability. It's a little bit of a misnomer. Um, but what that means is like you can convert a normal C-130 to this Hellfire carrying gunship, if you will, um, in just a matter of days. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, yep, in, in a normal squadron, I got trained in the close air support mission. I deployed um, to Afghanistan in January of 2013. And, you know, we 
in my one harvest hawk, we took one harvest hawk and three other, you know, normal C-130s. Mm-hmm. That one harvest hawk employed more than all other fixed wing assets combined in the Helmand mm-hmm. province area. So all of the F-18s, all of the Harriers, all of them, all of them lumped in combined, we, we employed more than them, which was crazy. So we were very busy, um, but we made a really big impact over there. And it's something that, um, you know, I'm very, very proud of in my career. Definitely. That's that's way cool. And for anyone who may be listening, whether it's a high school student, maybe even a midshipman or a parent of someone who may be interested in Marine Corps aviation, what would you tell them about your experience? And what would you tell them about the culture of Marine Corps aviation if they just kind of want to learn more about it and what it's all about? Yeah. So uh, what I would say about Marine Corps aviation is even though we razz each other, like we make fun of ospreys and call them plopters or whatever like even though we may razz each other like everything that the marine corps flies has a purpose and has a mission um and and has a really awesome community that you can go to so if you're a flight student and maybe you don't get your first choice and you end up you know hey i wanted to in 30s but i'm flying skids now or whatever it is like you can bloom where you're planted and have an awesome successful career with really great opportunities um Mm -hmm. and For those that are interested in Marine Corps aviation, I would say that in general, the wing is a little bit more laid back than the ground side. Um, (laughs) But obviously, we still are all Marines at heart. We're all, you Mm -hmm. know, rifle platoon commanders um, or or riflemen, as you you hear that phraseology. So we all have that foundation of being Marines. Um, So we we pride ourselves on the professionalism and, and, and everything that comes with being a Marine. But I would say we are a little bit more laid back in the wing. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. And during that time, so obviously you were saying first female Blue Angel pilot, were there a lot of women in Marine Corps aviation at the time? Or were you one of the few uh, women in your squadron uh, while you're going through that flying the KC-130 as well? Yeah. So both my deployments, I was the only female aviator on on them. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there are not many of us. To give you an idea, the Marine Corps at least when I was going through was 7% women. Mm-hmm. So that's all of the Marine Corps. So if you shrink that down to the officer corps, then you shrink it down to aviators then you shrink it down to K1, KC-130s. Like there's a handful of us. Um, and I've only met maybe three or four others. Um, and, and some of them are more senior than me and some of them are more junior than me. So mm-hmm. we, we are not very common. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it was, it's an interesting experience, but mm-hmm. I mean, the Academy isn't, when I was there, I think my class was like 18%, maybe okay. 20% women. So, you know, my whole basically military career has been male dominated. So it, it wasn't anything like out of the ordinary. Yeah. Um, and how was, how was that transition to then going from uh, a KC-130 squadron to going to the Blue Angels? So first of all, how did that happen? Like, how do you get detailed to go to the Blue Angels? And then with that, how is that transition going into what for people from the outside just see as like the rock stars of the aviation community where they do super cool things and they wear cool flight suits and just have a bunch of fun? Yeah. So um, to apply for the Blue Angels, you actually they release what are called MAR admins or NAV admins. So these Mm -hmm. are messages that go out to the entire fleet and they call for people to apply. And so that in these messages, it lists like you have to have this many hours and these qualifications and, you know, all that stuff. And so once you meet those wickets, 
you put in an application, which is basically the size of about a college application, a normal college, not an academy application, which is mm. ridiculous, but <laughs> like a, a normal college application, um, including like pictures and you get recommendation letters from people. Mm-hmm. And then you actually go to two shows um, where uh, you are not only kind of seeing what the life is like, but you're, you're also seeing like, can you live 300 days out of the year with these people that are currently on the team, you know, mm-hmm. and they're doing the same for you. And so it's kind of like a, we're not supposed to call it this anymore, but like rushing a sorority or fraternity. Um, And so you go and you kind of hang out with them, see, see what life is like. And then if you're selected as a finalist, which is the top two people applying Mm -hmm. for that position, you go down for beach week down in um, Pensacola, which is during their beach show at Pensacola in mid July. Mm -hmm. And there you'll get like fitted for the blue flight suit in the event that you get selected, you take your official picture, you do like a formal interview, which is like super intimidating, you do some social events to meet the wives and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, And then at the end of that week, you fly back that Friday, and then you call into boss's office and you find out if you um, got selected. Um, So so that's basically how you get there. And then the transition, I would say, um, was extremely hard for, I would say like me and the other fellow Marines mm-hmm. because one, it's a Navy squadron. So it's a different mindset. And as much as we are sister organizations, business is done very differently between the Marine Corps and the Navy. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying one is better than the other, but it's, it's just very different. So trying to adjust to the Navy life was strange. Yeah. Um, uh, additionally, I, ha- I was literally coming off a combat tour yeah. You know, as were some of my other fellow Marines. And so rolling straight into like a, you know, kissing babies and shaking hands <laughs> kind of thing was also like a, a mind shift that you mm-hmm. had to do, you know. Um, and then cu- mine coupled with like now the pressure of you're the first female to do this and everyone's watching. It was, and, and I didn't join the Marine Corps to be on TV or be famous or anything yeah. like that. I just wanted to, you know, protect those Marines on the ground. So it was definitely like a, a, it was an adjustment um, and it, it is a lot of hard work and it, yeah. it is a very tiring schedule. We're on the road 300 days out of the year, 75 different show sites. Um, when we're not flying, we are doing like public outreach events or we're going, you know, meeting people, we're doing media interviews and all that stuff. So, so that's why you're only on the team from like two to four years, depending on the position mm-hmm. because you can get burnt out. Yeah. And, and they want you to, to accurately reflect the men and women of the Navy and Marine Corps team that are out there deployed. So if you were like, Hey, my MOS is demonstration pilot. You're out of touch with those people who are actually, you know, fighting the good fight on the front lines. And so that's why you kind of rotate, rotate. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and as you were mentioning, kind of as a trailblazer in this community elite community, did you feel any resistance from within the squadron to trying to integrate with having a woman come and join their unit, which just hasn't happened before. Was that part of your experience? Very much so. So Mm -hmm. uh, definitely when I was on the team, that was a topic that was, I would never discuss, you know? Um, But now that I'm almost, you know, five years displaced from being on the team, uh, absolutely. I definitely felt some resistance. Um, It wasn't like outward misogyny or very Mm -hmm. blatant, you know, discrimination, but it was like more kind of backhanded being excluded from things or, you know, being told I can't fly certain shows, you know, because I was getting too much attention. Um, and I can, I can give you like a peek behind the curtain that, you know, unfortunately that still happens like today I've had mm-hmm. 
I have had things where I was going to speak at the academy and a Blue Angel alumni threw his weight around so that I couldn't come. Like it, it still happens to this yeah. day, which is crazy that it's been five years and people still are, you know, are, are putting up obstacles basically for petty reasons, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you, you just got to put your head down and keep going, you know, like to step over those obstacles because it's not me that has the problem. The mm-hmm. problem is with those people who can't wrap their mind around a d- diverse fighting force is more um, combat effective than, you know, a, a non-diverse force. Absolutely. And, and kind of what have you learned from all these experiences? Because even when you were flying in your combat tours, you were still in a like mainly male dominated field and with these units. Did you ever, and I, I hate to put it this way, but did, ever, did you ever get used to it? Or how did you keep going through like dealing with a lot of these struggles, these obstacles and these resistances while you're just trying to do your job? Uh, so I would say, you know, the Marine Corps, despite, you know, some of the things that you've heard on, on maybe the television lately, you know, Marines United, that scandal that just happened a mm-hmm. couple of years ago or, or whatever, I would say my time in like Marine Corps units mm-hmm. was the best, most um, inclusive time of my career. Um, I, you know, was the only female on both my deployments. Um, but I had a plethora of brothers that were looking out for me and had my back no matter what. Um, I never felt at, at uh, in danger of sexual assault or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They they always had my back. They always protected me, and you know they valued my input. They valued my ability in the aircraft. Um, so I, I, I the Marine Corps service has always been supportive. Never treated me any differently. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time that I actually felt treated differently was when I was in Navy commands. Um, and that, and I'm again, not trying to hit on the Naval yeah. service. It just happened to be, um, the only experience I felt was it once one incident when I was in flight school. And then when I was on the blue angels and it just happened to be that they were both Navy commands. And again, I know there's amazing Naval officers out there. My brother is one, my sister-in-law, my father. Um, and, and so I'm not trying to lump everybody in. It just yeah. happened to be that way in my career. Absolutely. And, and with those experiences that you've had, do you ever like sit back and think about um, kind of the, the influence or impact you may have on younger women that may be interested in aviation? And do you ever talk to people or share those thoughts and experiences and try and encourage people to get more into the aviation community? Yeah. So I actually have a small business on the side, my side mm-hmm. hustle, if you will, that um, <laughs> where I, I do motivational talks predominantly to, you know, female organizations and stuff like that. Um, so I'm able to kind of evangelize, if you will, about aviation in the mm-hmm. military and, and, you know, um, being a blue angel and how I got there. Um, but yeah, I, I think in the beginning, when I first joined, I had no idea that I was even going to have an impact on, you know, the history of, of military aviation. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a little off putting to be honest that, that I had fans and I had this following on Instagram <laughs> and you know, that, that people that I was in the Smithsonian, like what, yeah. like it's, it was crazy to me because I was just doing my job, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but now that, I have been kind of placed in that position due to fate, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel a responsibility to spread that message of, you know, if a man has only occupied this position for eternity or history, doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you can't pave the way, you know, yes, it might be a little bit hard and yes, you are going to 
um, face obstacles, but there are people who have come before you that have, have done it. There are people that will come after you that will do it. Um, so just reach out to those resources. And, and I love, uh, in particular, when I have women reach out that say like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be the first, you know, veterinary student, uh, female. And, and I'm, I'm afraid of some of the stuff that I may face. Do you have any advice? Like, that's the coolest thing ever because yes, it's easy to equate. Like I want to be a blue angel pilot to me, but to be able to equate like first female, this and first female doctor or first female vet or first female, whatever that to be able to equate those, um, kind of experiences, I think we, we can share that knowledge and, and, you know, make people not feel so alone. Cause I can tell you, I felt alone. Mm-hmm. And even though I had really great male friends on the team, I mean, I ended up marrying one of my friends, um, <laughs> Jesse Cook. So, I mean, we, even though I had really great male friends, I felt very, very alone when I was on the team. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. To well, be able to that, I mean, not feel that way would be good. Yeah. And, and thank you for, for doing that and sharing those stories and those experiences. Um, I, I can only imagine how helpful that is to a lot of people. Um, but what I do now kind of want to jump into and transition a little bit is commissioning week. It, it, it's yeah. coming up and it's not here just yet, but it's coming up and there will yep. be a blue angel performance. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that want a little bit of insight into kind of the blue angels. Yeah. So, the first thing is, can you just give us a little bit of like a little glimpse and a little insight into what life as a Blue Angel pilot's like when you're like, let's say you're going to commissioning week in Annapolis. Mm-hmm. What's your life like? How often do you fly? Then when do you get to come into town? Like, what's your life like when you're traveling on the road and doing these demonstrations and performances? Yeah. So despite like all the negativity that I've mentioned about the team, yeah. <laughs> I'm terrible about that, but but it was like a really great, fun experience. Um, mm-hmm. And Annapolis is one of those awesome shows. And my parents actually live in Severna Park, Maryland, okay. like right yeah. down the street. And they sponsor mids and all this stuff. So um, Annapolis was my home show. And so that was just another layer of awesomeness added mm-hmm. on top of it, you know. Um, and so Annapolis is a weird show because it's right in the middle of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a typical week. Um, Mondays are off Tuesdays. We would practice in Pensacola. Wednesdays are generally a practice in Pensacola. Thursday is, um, we would, uh, transition or, or go to the, go to the show site, wherever it was. Obviously if it was like California, you would leave on Wednesday, but Mm -hmm. a normal show you'd leave on Thursday, you'd get there. Um, the, uh, jet guys would do circles. That's basically where they pick out their visual checkpoints on the ground to help them with their maneuvers. Um, Fat Albert, we would do a practice show to just get kind of a feeling for the show site. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Friday is a practice and then Saturday, Sunday are normal shows. Um, in the evenings on either Friday or Saturday, we have a community event. Um, Saturday mornings, we go to high schools and talk to kids or go to hospitals and, and, um, you know, meet kids. And then yeah. Sunday evening is when we go back to Pensacola. So it was, you know, nonstop. And then, oh, by the way, you're required to work out every day and you have to find some time to eat in there, you know, despite trying to stay skinny for that freaking really tight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, so it, so it is very busy. Um, and what, what was cool about the Academy when I did the show in 2015, um, I actually taped a special for the today show. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on campus, which was really cool with Peter Alexander and he was a really nice guy. Um, but yeah, I, I think what's, 
what's really cool about the show site, and, and unfortunately, Fat Albert isn't performing this year because they're getting a new one. Okay. Um, so she won't be at Annapolis this year. But what's really cool about flying that show site is right outside the, the show box is a ton of boats. Mm-hmm. And they all have like really tall masts. And so when we come in for our flat pass, we're at like 40 feet above the water. And so some of these masts are like, you know, 30 feet tall and and they'll get like rocked by <laughs> us, like going over them and they get really awesome footage and they all like post it on Twitter, which is great. Um, and then we get to go down to like McGarvey's at night. We, <laughs> we actually stay at um, the Marriott where the Pussers is. Yep. So, so we get to stay there. So we're like right in the heart of things. And for those of us that were mids, it's like, yeah, we're going no. out. Here, you know? <laughs> like, obviously, you can't drink and fly, but like, it, <laughs> but it's still awesome. It's still awesome to be back in the, you know, old, old stomping grounds, if you yeah. will. So. And, and speaking of your old stomping grounds, where were your spots when you were a mid? Oh, where were your favorite spots? Fed House. Okay, nice. Yeah. Fed House was definitely kind of the place. Pusters was always really good. Um, O'Brien's wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. I stayed away from Dillo's mostly. <laughs> I don't know. McGarvey's we would go to sometimes, but I would say like Pusser's and Fed House mm-hmm. were like probably the go-to ones. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, still definitely still, still the case, at least yeah. through my time. Now I've been, yeah. been out for a little bit, not a tremendous amount of time. Okay. Um, so solid choices. I definitely, I definitely like your style there. But you mentioned Fat Albert a couple times. If yeah. no one has any idea what you're talking about, with Fat Albert, can you just explain kind of the role of Fat Albert within the Blue Angels um, and like what kind of plane it is and basically uh, what your job is as you're flying that? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so Fat Albert is the C-130 that's attached to the Blue Angels. Um, when I was flying, it was a C-130T model, which is a older version. Um and then they're actually in the process of acquiring a C-130J model, which is the type that's flown currently in the active duty fleet. Um, that will help them with enlisted air crew who have qualifications from the active duty fleet. It will help them get parts and logistics and all this other stuff. And so that's why they needed kind of to acquire a new aircraft. Not to mention that the old one was pretty dang old. You know? <laughs> um, and, and being flown to kind of its flight envelope limit, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Um, but the predominant mission um, that we do is logistics. So if we're on the road and the jet team needs a part after our show we, mm-hmm. on the in the evening, Saturday, Sunday, whatever, we will fly to wherever to pick up parts for them and bring them back. Um, and so that and we tra- we transport like forty thousand pounds of cargo and and forty uh, maintainers to every show site. Um, so that the jets have their men and equipment to work on them if there's issues there. Um, and what was, you know, really cool, at least through the time that I was on there, the 70 years that I was on there, they had never canceled a show due to maintenance because of the support that they had of a dedicated logistics asset and those maintainers that were on the road with them. Um, and then our secondary mission, obviously, is to showcase the pride and professionalism of the Navy and Marine Corps team through aerial demonstration. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not like I've memorize that answer at all um, (laughs) how to say it a couple times (laughs) yeah exactly so but so we do a 10 minute show with the c-130 to kind of showcase the capabilities of that aircraft um which is pretty cool because we are tend to be a favorite for like kids 10 and under because their Mm -hmm. attention span isn't very long and we don't hurt their ears (laughs) um so, so they love fat albert which is the nickname um 
of it. And so we, you know, we've been Fat Albert since, you know, the early 70s or whatever. So that that's her name. And yeah. Yeah. So no kidding. Literally shaking hands, kissing babies. You're hanging out with yeah. all the seven-year-olds when you're out in town, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. You fly the cool plane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. And then, of course, it's like, Mommy, it's the girl one, you know? So, <laughs> so it's pretty cool. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. And so you talked about the fact that basically the Annapolis one is your home show. But was it is that your most memorable show or are there different shows that like – stick out to you as your favorite or really to this day, you're like, wow, that was definitely the coolest show that we've done. Um, so Annapolis was probably my favorite just mm-hmm. because of the other activities outside of flying and the show sites really cool. Yeah. Um, some other really great ones were cherry point because that's where I was stationed. So that was like kind of like a secondary home. Mm-hmm. Um, Miramar is really cool for us Marines um, because they do a really neat mag taft demonstration. So it's, being with the Navy squadron, it's awesome to kind of get that taste of Marine Corps a little bit. Yeah. Hawaii is fun, obviously, because we're there for like a week. So we have like a couple days to like sit on the beach, which we never, never get. Yeah. Um, so that one's really cool. Beach show in Pensacola is cool because that is your, you know, the Blue, Blue Angel home. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one's really cool. Seattle is neat because the show site's right next to the Space Needle and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely cool cool ones out there but annapolis was you know my personal favorite yeah i like it um all right so now now i have to get to a point where first of all i follow you on twitter and i was (laughs) i'm not gonna lie i was scrolling through a bunch of tweets last night you're you're actively hilarious and you you have some of the hottest takes and i and i love it thank you um so knowing that that you definitely are one with humor do you have any like really funny stories from your time the blue angels like is there anything specifically that you're like this is a story that I tell whenever I'm talking about the Blue Angels, just because even to this day, it makes me laugh. I mean, I, I do have several, but they're not appropriate. <laughs> fair enough, I, fair enough. I would say like, let's see here. I I actually texted, my son's godfather was the supply officer with me on the team. Okay. I was like, Greg, do you have any suggestions? And and he, and he we like were crying laughing because we were going over some of the stuff that we can't share but um, (laughs) one of the ones that I can share so obviously I am active on Twitter and so um, I was talking at one show I I was like god I could go for a funnel cake and so I went I went did the show I went to Crowdline which is where we you know kiss babies and shake hands and one of my Twitter followers walks up and is like I got you a funnel cake on on Crowdline and (laughs) I, everyone knows I'm in this like blue suit, right? Well, the wind picks up, picks up this funnel cake and it, and it hits me right in the chest. So now I have like powdered sugar all over my chest and I have a, like a, a interview that I have to do right afterwards. And so I go to the public restroom, which is, which is insane to do at an air show when you're a blue angel, because you'll never get anywhere. Because you have, can I sign autographs with white all over my chest? And so I'm in this public restroom soaking myself in the in the sink and then i turn on the hand dryer and so i'm like with the hand dryer like this and, and like people are walking in like oh my god what is, what is, what is this lady doing yeah so so that one was i freaked a bunch of people out by like drying my chest if you will yeah. in, a, in a public bathroom I mean, like, um, that's pretty cool, though, but also kind of creepy that one of your Twitter followers yeah. got you up on <laughs> Dude, I've had so many weirdos online. Yeah. It's not, like, one dude got arrested in freaking 
and Canada for threatening to kill me and my family. Like it's crazy. Yeah. So I have like some really nice followers that are just, you know, very supportive and they love to follow my family and, you know, um, and then I, and then I got some like that want to kill me. Yeah. Like, like crazy people. So yeah, (laughs) you know, there are some trade-offs, unfortunately, not great ones. Um, so that's Mm. why I don't put my children online at all. Yeah. Don't want to mess with that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Quite, quite yeah. the range there. Nice yeah. people willing to get you. Yeah, um, I've had like delicious treats, flowers, flowers yeah. and stuff, or b- make me a birthday cake because they know it's mm-hmm. my birthday. Like really yeah. awesome people, and then you just get yeah. But I, I don't think flowers are, are also then worth you know catching a death threat from a random dude yeah, online. That's, so that's true. That yeah, is true. That is true. It's a given take. Yeah, it's a given take. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now we have to get to probably the most important piece of this entire episode. um, Okay. Because disclaimer, for anyone who knows me personally, they know this, but probably Academy Insider doesn't, is that I'm shamelessly a huge Bachelor fan. A huge Bachelor fan. I love it. Um, So you were recently... To say on The Bachelor is, is we gotta we gotta clarify. You were on an episode of The Bachelor uh, with Pilot with Pilot Pete. Uh, as yes. you're taking and taking some of the girls through some aviation training. So my mm-hmm. first question for you is, how the heck do you even get to do that? How, how did yeah. you manage to pull that off? Well, so I didn't like, hey, pick me. They they actually reached out <laughs> on Instagram. I have like 37,000 followers or something. Yeah, it's so no big deal. I'm a, like super cool. Yeah. No, I don't mean it like that. I, but I have a decent, <laughs> I have a decent following when it, so when you like yeah. type in like female aviator, I like mm-hmm. come up. And so I assume that's yeah. what happened is they did like a basic <laughs> Google search. Um, yeah. And so then they, re- they, they slid into my DMS, if you will. Um, they sent me a message mm-hmm. and then, you know, we just kind of, yeah, you know, got together and did it, um, which is, which was, you know, a very interesting, very cool experience because, you know, I, I, like I said, I did the today show this morning, CBS, Fox and friends. Like I did those type of shows, but never mm-hmm. like a, a reality show or anything that required like i had a trailer which was crazy (laughs) um you know and recently i actually filmed for nickelodeon or nick jr and so i got to do that too right after the bachelor and so kind of getting exposed to la this year has been (laughs) (laughs) what do you do for nick for nick jr um there's a show called ryan's mystery playdate okay he's like that kid who's the most high paid person on youtube and he reviews toys well him and his family have a have a show where they like um, give clues and he has to guess who his play date is going to be. Hmm. Um, and then they guessed that it was me and I got to, you know, we got to do good games and stuff. So it was pretty yeah. cool. Well, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, well now the next question is you were rocking uh, some seriously sweet aviators. Were those producers like, Hey, you need to wear aviators because that's what aviators do. Or was that you just rocking aviators? So I got issued those when I was on the blue. Okay. And, um, I actually wear contacts and at the time I had run out of contacts. And Mm -hmm. so those have my prescription. So for me to be able to see, I had, (laughs) I had to wear those. Um, so yeah, I'm an old lady, but yeah, to be able to see if that's what they wear. So they did not prescribe me to wear anything. I just had to. You just had to. All right. That's fair. All right. Now, Pete, we got to talk about Pete. Let's talk about Pete. How, How do we feel about Pete? So I've been watching all season. I'm sure you see mm-hmm. me tweet about it. Oh, absolutely. So in person, he's he's better looking than he is on TV. That's that, okay. Well, first of all, thank you for saying that because I welcome. hate to be this shallow, but I'm like, you're the bachelor, dude. You're supposed to be yeah. like, 
I was yeah. a little disappointed, but that makes me happy to hear. All yeah, right. yeah. And now, like, and every freaking date that he goes to, he's like super sweaty, but whatever. <laughs> so, so he's he's much better looking in person. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really friendly. He was mm-hmm. an aviation nerd. You know, yeah. when we were off camera, he he kept asking me flying stuff, which was cool. Um, and at least early on in the season, when I met him, he was like very intent on this process working. Yeah. Maybe night, maybe too naive kind of. Um, (laughs) but you could tell that he was like legitimately hurt by Hannah, um, from the previous season Mm -hmm. and like he probably needed to get over her. But since, since meeting him in person and then Mm -hmm. watching him over this season, like, He's a nice dude. But he just seems like extremely immature, not ready for marriage. Like I think Kelly, Kelly, who by the way was my favorite when I met her. Oh, I love right. her. Yeah. But the fact that Kelly called him out and was like, "You reward bad behavior or yep. whatever," like that is spot on. Like the gaslighting, the red flags from Victoria F, the mm. oh, Aliyah, Leah, whatever her name was. Oh Victoria yeah, Aliyah. Like. Like Tammy, freaking Kelsey, all these crazy people. Like when they show you their true colors, like believe them. You know, believe them. If they're gonna act they're like a, you. exactly, if they're gonna act like a crazy person on national television, guess what they're gonna act like in the privacy of their own home? A really crazy person. Really. And you don't want to deal with that. So uh, I just, uh, you know, it, yeah. it to me, Kelly was like a heartbreak when she went home. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, this next episode, I guess, is um, the women tell all they didn't even invite her to that, even though she was Wait, like, what? Yeah. And, oh. yeah, I know. It's like drama. And, yeah. So, I mean, I, I loved her. And I think she would make a great Bachelorette. But I, yeah. for some reason, I just get the feeling that maybe they didn't like her or she was, like, not enough drama for them. Mm-hmm. And so they're just like, no, we, you know, she was just too, too much her. Too yeah. Well behaved. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm sure they got I, the one thing that I personally loved, but a lot of people hated was when she like flexed on everyone. She's like, What do you guys even do? Like, I'm a freaking attorney. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, It's about it is, right. Yeah. It's well, about it time is, you stand up for yourself so and you let people true, know. Though, because when I met them, uh, no, no kidding, Tammy was the one that I yeah. met. And I was like, So, Tammy, what do you do for a living? She's like, Well, I flip homes. I'm an Instagram influencer. I'm a model. And she like listed like, 10 things and yeah. it was just like bro you're on here you to too. like pump yourself up same with yeah. mckenna i'm an instagram influencer like that's not a real job let's yep. be serious <laughs> hannah ann lives with her parents and yeah. is a model <laughs> what i have to say about that is she <laughs> she recognized her talents good on her she yeah. realized that she was really really hot yeah. and she became a model and she's making a living off of her talents that's she recognized her limitations and good for her. And now, and now she's tends, she's like the front runner for me because she's really the only one left that's sane. Yeah. I feel Wait, like. Do you, do you think Madison's not sane? I, I, I loved your hot take on that, by the way, on the yes. last episode, because I feel the exact same way yes. to, to the period on your tweet. Yes. So, yes, Victoria F., like I said in my tweet, is the biggest red flag outside of communist China. He needs to just abandon that. Madison, while I 100%, 100% respect what she had to say, and I think yes. I think when she said, hey, sleeping with someone else six days before you get engaged is a red flag or, or something I can't do, 
completely understood because you wouldn't do that in real life. However, yeah. he signed up for this yeah. show, knowing it was Excellent. going to happen. He was mm-hmm. known for his sexual activities on his previous <laughs> season, so it's not like he's all of a sudden going to become a monk. And yeah. then, uh, you know, people in society, and this might be controversial, but people in society view intimacy, physical intimacy, differently. differently. You know, some people who are extremely religious review, can view it one way and other people can view it a little bit more liberally. Mm-hmm. And for her to kind of think that everyone in the world was going to conform to her beliefs, I think, was a little bit naive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and an ultimatum that happened last season with Luke and, and um, Hannah yeah. and Hannah, everybody yeah. crucified him for it. Yeah. You know, and she kind of did the same thing. So I think it would be a little bit of a double standard for us to be like, you know, we support mm-hmm. you. Right. Yeah. You know, so that's why I'm kind of like Hannah Ann is like really he's settling because she's the only one that's like halfway normal. Yeah. Um, and all do I can, you th- do you think he's still in love with Hannah Brown though? Do you think that's I think they're still there? I I hope so. <laughs> and all I can think of is like he gets to the end and he's like none of these chicks meet her standard. You yeah. Know? And and to me, if that happens, like if you're comparing anyone to your previous relationship, like you will do that for the rest of your life. Your and life. You need to get, you need to pull chocks because that's yeah. not, that's not good for them. You're wasting their time. It's not good for you. It's going to end in failure. Like go find Hannah Brown. Yeah. As far as I know, she's not dating anybody. <laughs> uh, as much as I wish we could talk I'm about that. I know. I'm sorry. We're going, uh, we're going rogue it. right now. I love it. Um, we are, we, before we, before we switch over to our final piece, which is a lightning round of questions, do you have anything else you would like to leave the Academy Insider audience about women in aviation or aviation in general, anything about the Blue Angels? Now is your time. Uh, if you have anything. Um, so I would just like to say, you know, for those of you that are interested in aviation um, or, you know, are struggling because you are, you know, one of the only females in your whatever it is, your class or whatever, I am readily available online, whether that's um, via Twitter. My handle is gear up, flaps up or via Instagram, same handle, gear up, flaps up. I also have a website, katieandcook.com, where people can reach out if they're thinking about um, they need somebody to do my motivational talks or whatever, you can reach out to me there. And I am usually very good about answering DMs, not from crazy people, but from normal people. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, uh, I, I'm glad to do that for people who who are, are looking for advice or just one event or whatever. Yeah. I'm there. Um, I, I think that's great. And, and, you know, for those of you that are going through hard times, um, I always say the same phrase for people, and that's calm seas don't make a skilled sailor. And what I mean by that is it's not the smooth times in your life. It's not the easy times that, that shape you as a person. It's those hard times. It's those rough seas. It's those failures that you're facing that shape you as a person. And for me, shaped me as a Marine, as a mom, as a spouse. And so keep going, keep pushing. Yes, people are going to face obstacles, whether it's because you're female, you're a person of color, you are LGBTQ, whatever it is, people face obstacles every day. And there are people out there that can support you and help you through it. Hey, motivate me, warrior. (laughs) All right. Thank you for that. Uh, That's fantastic. Uh, Let's jump into this final lightning round of questions, though, that we ask all former midshipmen. Yes. The first of which is, what is your favorite spot on the yard? Where's your favorite place on on campus? Memorial Hall. That's a good answer. Yeah. I like that. Um, All right. Moving down, just downstairs from Memorial Hall. What's your favorite meal in King Hall? 
Buffalo chicken sandwich. Ooh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 it's just such a. It, it really it's was. It was like the one good piece of food. <laughs> it was. It was. Oh uh, yeah. Couldn't really screw what, it up too. Yeah, I couldn't really screw it up. How good's your memory? Was were they on Thursdays for you? Thursday lunches? Do you Tuesdays. remember? Tuesday lunches. Tuesdays. Ooh, I think I think our years they switched it to Thursdays, but I might be. I, I, I might also be crazy. Like My memory is never good. You, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, we could both be correct. Yes, Who we knows? both could be. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Now to get a little bit a little bit more sentimental, which is who or what, either person or experience, has the biggest influence on your leadership style today that you can trace back to your time at the Naval Academy? So I'm I'm a little bit weird about this. My dad was class of eighty one. And mm-hmm. so I got exposed to the academy leadership style or lessons that he learned at a very, very young age. And so I would say the academy influenced me maybe not when I was there as much mm-hmm. as when my dad was there because my dad was, is like my number one role model when it comes to being a Marine officer. Um, and I think his time at the academy was ingrained in him and then ingrained in me subsequently as his child. Mm-hmm. Obviously my time at the academy was, I learned my own lessons, but the most impactful came from him, which, you know, by default came from the academy, but. 20 years prior. Absolutely. Hmm. Way cool. That's an interesting answer. I, uh, that, that is a unique first, first heard answer here. So oh, there uh, we go. Like there, there we go. Um, Buffalo chicken sandwich ever come up before? Un- unfortunately, Buffalo chicken sandwich was not a first time answer here. On the show. <laughs> it's just so good. Just so good. It is just so good. It just speaks volumes <laughs> to the fact that it actually is really delicious. So yeah, and they yeah. and they have they endured generations of midshipmen have, that sandwich. Right. <laughs> it's it is the link in the chain. It is the link <laughs> in the chain. The buffalo chicken sandwiches. Um. All right. Well, on the on the show, I have a lot of people always asking me uh, recommendations for books that I have. So I kind of just want to pass it off to you. Which is, what's your favorite book? What what what's your favorite book? And what would you recommend to someone? Um, just out so, of the blue. I would recommend um, Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. Um, I really, really like that book. And I think it's appropriate for both um, male and female leaders. It's It kind of highlights the struggles that women go through and the advocacy and the steps that men can take as mentors and as allies of women, both in the military and in the professional setting to facilitate you know that equality across the board. So I really liked that book. I need to read that. Uh, Thank you for that recommendation. Mm -hmm. Definitely need to check that out. All right. We have two questions left. The first of which is what is your best memory from your time as a midshipman? Um, I would say like, I probably have a really, a lot of really great memories that I can't remember. (laughs) Um, I turned 21 my first year, but um, I I would say probably the the best memory was I was in 13th company. So we ran the football from Annapolis to Philadelphia for the army Navy game. And my Mm -hmm. plea beer was a really great, awesome experience. That is, I remember like running out on the field with, with the ball, you know, for the game to start and, we didn't have to do march on, which was awesome. But oh, uh, super awesome, yeah. Freezing, yeah. super long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That. Yeah, we could r- run the ball on. So that so that was really cool. And you know, just hanging out in different environment. You know, like it, we we were all doing something hard but fun together. You know, yeah. And, it, and you got to bond a little bit with your upperclassmen, which was you know a no no. 
um, kind of there. So, so yeah. I, I really loved that. That's a great, great experience that I'll always remember. Nice. Shameless self-plug here for me. If you don't know what she's talking about, I actually did a podcast episode with Rebecca Richmond, who is a 13th Company alumni, who talks all about the ball run. And we explain all the different details and things behind the scene that you wouldn't normally see or hear about. So if you want to learn more about that, check that out. Um, all right. But, but back to the questions. Back to the um, And the final question is, so a lot of our audience is high school students or people that are just interested in the academy. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you have for someone in terms of if they're thinking about going to the academy, what would you tell them about what they need to think about when determining whether or not the Naval Academy is the right choice for them? So um, I wish I had known this back when I was a midshipman. Um, and I think I wish everyone would know it before they went. So when you become a Marine or Naval officer, your number one priority needs to be those enlisted men and women, period. It's not the warfare device on your chest that you're trying to earn. It's not the quals in the aircraft you're trying to get. It's not the watch stander, whatever the heck the SWOs do over there. It's not, it's not, (laughs) it's not all the, all the qualifications and your personal advancement. It's not the awards. It's not, you know, the recognition that you get. It's taking care of those enlisted men and women. So before you go, you need to know that you're signing on at least for five years of your life of putting other people that you have never met yet ahead of yourself, ahead of your future family, ahead of your personal goals. Because they, they, as much as your parents are probably nervous about you going to the academy, there are hundreds of enlisted parents that are trusting you to take care of their kids. You know, and so you as a 17, 18 year old kid getting ready to go to the academy need to realize that you must put them first. That is the goal. And, you know, the other thing is you might go to the academy or you might be thinking, I want to be the next freaking maverick. I'm going to go be a jet pilot. That's why I want to go to the academy or I want to be an astronaut and they have the most astronauts or whatever the heck you're, I want to be a marine pilot. I want to be, you know, a, a Cobra pilot, whatever it is, you can go in with those goals and it's great to have those goals. But life and the Marine Corps and the Navy have a choice, right? They have a say in that. So you might not become a pilot or you might get airsick and you have to go Marine ground or you have to go swell or whatever. And if being a pilot is the reason you went and joined the military, then you are going to have a very uncomfortable next five years. So your motivation for going needs to be those enlisted men and women. That needs to be your first priority because no matter what warfare community you go in, if they are your first priority, great. You're going to have a, a cool job to do no matter what it is, but they have to be, absolutely have to be your first priority before you go. 100%. As the young kids say nowadays, will you please say it louder for the people in the back? That is, oh, I, that was. Men and women are the priority. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be there. You got to be there for the people. You do. I, uh, you do. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you, you've just like validated uh, a ton of years of my work yes. here. So and, thank and you. And unfortunately, for that. that's that's stuff that you you might not learn till very much later in your career. I would actually say that SWOs are likely the best at this because they get the most exposure. Them and ground marines get the most exposure to leading right away, um, right away. Mm-hmm. And and you know the spec ops communities are weird because they're more like peers than leaders but mm-hmm. you know the the aviators um the the sub guys sometimes our pipelines are so long that it's 
you're, you're very me focused. And the academy, unfortunately, instills some of that me focus. I want to get the best grades. I want to be on soups list. I want to do this. I want to be the best at intramurals or whatever the heck. It is, it's very me focused. Um, and, and if you can learn early on, I apologize, my dog's going nuts. But <laughs> if you can learn early on, early on that your people are your highest priority and you can you need to leverage that knowledge of those senior enlisted when you get there, you will be so much more successful and your people will value your leadership and your guidance. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, Katie, seriously, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Uh, thanks for all your stories. Thanks for sharing your experiences and some of the things that you went through. And then thank you for sharing your insight and wisdom on all that. Um, I couldn't agree more. So I, I mean this from the most sincere place in my heart. Thank you so much for your time. We really, really appreciate it. Sure thing. It, it was awesome to be here. It was awesome to reminisce about the Academy and the blues uh, and uh, the bachelor, if you will. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter. If you want to see my hot takes over the next two weeks. Ooh. Over the bachelor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you. And to the Academy Insider audience, I hope you guys have a great day. Thanks. Super five. If you're not a bachelor fan, I'm so sorry for subjecting you to that conversation for 10 minutes. But if you are a bachelor fan, you're so welcome because I knew that was super fun to listen to because I really enjoyed it. Honestly, how awesome is Katie? What an awesome interview that was. And thank you guys so much. I hope you learned a little bit about the Blue Angels and got to learn a little bit of insight into her perspective and life within Marine Corps aviation. Again, as always, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to subscribe. If you're looking for any more information into the life of a midshipman at the Naval Academy or the Naval Academy experience and journey, make sure to check out my Facebook page, Academy Insider, or go to my website, www.academyinsider.com. And as always, thank you so much for letting me be your guide to the United States Naval Academy.